0: Hi y'all, morning, we're going to do it like we did in Honduras, buenos dias, and like you're supposed to say buenos dias, buenos dias, yeah, nice and loud, Christ's point. So as Billy said, I'm I'm John, I've been fortunate and really privileged to be a part of this congregation. Billy solved an argument this morning that Heidi and I had, I had in my notes like we've been here for 10 years, Uh, we've actually been here for apparently 12, Heidi was right uh, for what it's worth. Uh, we, th- This church is our family we 're really, really, really fortunate to be a part of it. I look out here and, and I see you guys as our friends and our family. You guys have cared for us when we 've needed it you 've uh, you've been there when, when we 're down when we 've had good times and bad and so twelve years we 've raised three daughters in the midst of that and and this is our family and we 're so incredibly grateful for it so I'm, I'm excited to be up here this morning, I'm also a little bit uh, nervous, I've been, only done this a couple of times, and it seems like every time I do it, both times, uh, that, that it leads up, like the week leading up to it, it's like literally one of the most challenging weeks that I have, so I, I think Satan's fighting against my schedule, he's fighting against travel, so I was on the road this week, my time. We all came back from Honduras last week, uh, and, and all of us had a fun little stomach bug this week. So it's been a challenging week, so before we get started and before I kind of walk through it, I want to, I want to pray and ask God for his provision, his strength, uh, and frankly that he speaks through me and not my own words. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this church. Thank you for what it's meant to my family. Thank you, God, that we can be a part of a church family through the blood of Jesus. Thank you that we have you to rally around, Lord, that we have a personal relationship with you, Lord. I thank you for the leadership of this church, As Billy said, I'm so thankful for James and Melissa and their leadership. God, I pray that you give them rest and recharge while they're on vacation this week, Lord. For this morning, I pray that you speak through me. Lord, make it be your words that land uh, outside of my mouth, Lord. And I pray that anything that has come from you, that it lands on the hearts of everyone, that they hear directly from you, God. If it's something of me and it's not of you, God, I pray that it falls on deaf ears. I'm thankful for the passages that we're going to go through this morning. I'm thankful for your word. Uh, Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Two weeks ago, I experienced uh, joy that I I haven't experienced in a really long time. I think it was a a God-given, lasting joy. I had the opportunity, as many of you may have been here last week, to go to Honduras with another 14 individuals. And I had... uh, it was unbelievable. We, we were able to serve Children's Impact Network. We were able to hang out with the kids, both at the Life Center and outside in these villages. And we were all rallied around the common cause of Jesus and frankly, just caring for and loving on these kids. I was blown away. And it, it's a joy that I haven't experienced in a really long time. I went to Honduras five years ago with one of my daughters. This, this last couple of weeks, I went with all of my family and just seeing that experience and being with the family of Christ Point and frankly being with other believers was unbelievable. This morning we're going to go through 1 John, and, and, but I want to tell you guys part of 1 John is that you and I can experience that joy whether we're in Honduras or not. So I want to share with you what God's kind of been revealing to me over the last, call it a couple of weeks or a month that I've been studying this scripture because I think it really all centers around fellowship and joy, and how we get to that, and so I'm I'm excited to share it with you. But first, I want to kind of set up uh, kind of the context. I'm first of all amazed at how God uses Scripture. James assigns me like a random four verses to go through this morning and walk through First John, and uh, and these four verses have kind of hammered me, man. They they have convicted me. They've spoken to me, and so I'll share with you personally from where I'm coming from from reading these verses this morning. And contextually it's believed that the, the disciple john wrote first second and third john so it never comes out and says like hey i'm john i'm writing you these letters but it contextually it it makes sense because all the language the writing everything in the gospel of john and revelation which we know he wrote both kind of look and feel like that so it, it's said that, that john wrote these books um all three or all five of those books, so the uh, Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and Revelation, all kind of have a principal meaning and reason they were written. So the Gospel of John is written really to convict and convert. So it's about the, the birth, the death, the resurrection, the life of Jesus. It's all about like who Jesus is. They want, he wants to connect with the reader through the Gospel and through the works of Jesus so that you believe and you can be saved and get to salvation. Revelation is really about the coronation of the king. It's at the very end of the Bible. It's the end times. It's when Jesus returns to get his people, man. I am excited for Revelation. So Revelation is about coronation. And then these, these passages or this, these books that we'll go through over the next several months are really about confirmation of the saints. So it's written to believers like you and me. So these churches that John's writing this to, it's a group of churches in Rome and they're experiencing a bunch of kind of fodder, if you will, fundamental issues going on with people kind of using this Jesus plus or or Jesus minus philosophy. So if you think about that, we have that today, right? So it's Jesus and good works or Jesus less this. And so they're dealing with all of these things in 1 John as well. There's this movement that came up called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism in Greek means knowledge. So they had two kind of fundamental convictions around the Gnostics had. So one was that all matter was evil and everything spiritual was good. So fundamentally what that meant was like my body, my physical body is bad, my soul and my spirit is good. And it led to kind of two things coming out within the, the body. It was, I'm going to punish my body to where I can get my spirit to come out, my soul to come out, because it's good, my body's bad, or I'm going to do whatever the heck I want because my body's bad anyway, I'm eventually going to go to the soul. So that's one conviction. The other conviction was that salvation was really reserved for the few. It was this kind of super secret spiritual knowledge that only got to a certain number of people. And so it, it, one of the beliefs in this was also that like Jesus was in effect not God. That it was either a ghost or a phantom or it was some Christ spirit that came down to the man of Jesus on his baptism. So when he's in the river and God says, this is my son, that Christ spirit came on Jesus, the man, regular man. And then when Christ died on the cross, like the spirit leaves. So they're kind of changing who Jesus is. And when you do that, it fundamentally changes everything. And so John's really speaking to the church about that. He's speaking to these churches that are being influenced by these Gnostics. I think it's so familiar to our day and age today. I feel like there are factions in the church or even outside of the church that are, that are changing who Jesus is. I, I have teenage daughters, right? And you can hear all kinds of different views on Jesus from millennials and even younger than millennials. You can do it from people at work though too, man. Like, Jesus' name, Jesus, who Jesus is, is being changed in our society. If you don't think that's true, there's a couple of studies that I came across this week. One American, one British. Uh, This one is from America, and it's done by the Barna Group. It was done in 2014, so it's a few years old. But they're saying, who is Jesus to you? And if you look at it, like, the elders, the older folks out there, there's like 60-ish percent that believe Jesus was really God. As you move generationally through and you get to millennials, like 48% of them believe Jesus is God. That, that's not very high, and it was five years ago. And I really feel like this, this data is going to be skewed the longer we get into society unless we have true Christian preaching about who Jesus was fully man and fully God. The next study was a, a, another one out of, out of Britain, also done by the Barna Group. It was commissioned by the Church of England. Kind of saying, like, how do you describe Jesus? And it's even worse, this is a couple of years after but it's like 21% of adults, apples to apples, adult people. So they, they surveyed youth too, which is scary as well. But 21% of people believe that Jesus is God. I feel like we are in the same kind of battle over the, the person and the God of Jesus that John was to these churches years and years ago. So these Gnostics and other false preachers or prophets had begun to penetrate into these churches, and John like, comes out of the gate in First John, and he wants to set, set the record straight in this book on a few big things. One, he wants to set the record straight that Jesus is indeed fully God. So we don't want to argue, like, it's not like kind of, it wasn't like a spirit that came down. Jesus was God, 100%. He also wants to set it that Jesus was fully man. Um, so he talks about like how he interacted with him and guys he he spent a ton of time with Jesus we'll talk about that a little bit more and then he wants to say uh, salvation comes through Jesus and Jesus alone so because of the death and resurrection of Jesus we we can have salvation and that's open to everyone who acknowledges that so John kind of sets this stage and it seems super easy uh, but it's not just like today we're human right it's the gospel is super, super simple at the grand scheme of it. I don't want to underestimate the gospel, but guys, we're sinners. Jesus came and he died on the cross for us. If we acknowledge that and that he raised from the dead, we have access to God. And so people are kind of distorting, adding to, taking away from the gospel in a way that it's changing who Jesus is. It's changing the gospel. I think that we deal with that today very much. So for the next few months, we're going to walk through the confirmation of the saints. He's going to help believers like know how to believe, know the truth, know who Jesus is. He's going to give us guidance to live in, in God's community. So we're going to cover the first four verses today, the introduction. Uh, they only give the guy who's preached twice the intro four verses, which is great for me. I love that. Uh, then we're going to go through like two big themes in the, verse, in the book of 1 John. The first part of 1 John is about God as light. So it's all about how God is light, like walk in the light, darkness is fading away. He's warning against others that are coming in and kind of making that light seem different. And it's him kind of giving practical advice about how to live. The second half of 1 John is about how God is love. So he talks about God's love. He encourages us to love one another and give ourselves away for one another. He talks about like, how false prophets can get in the middle of that. He really harps on God's love in the second half. Those are bookended by the intro and the conclusion. The conclusion's kind of cool. It reminds us, hey, we're children of God. Uh, God, we, get, we can come through to Jesus through His death. And we should live in victory. We've already won, guys. And so 1 John, that's a big, big snapshot of 1 John. I've had a really good time over the last, call it month or two, reading that and spending time in that. I hadn't spent uh, time in a lot of study around 1 John before this, and I, I've really enjoyed getting to know it, and I think you will too. Today, though, we're going we're gonna to cover four verses, the introduction to 1 John. 1 John 1, 1 through 4. So if you have your Bibles, turn there with me. All right, uh, there. it's on the screen on a side note. Uh, 1 John 1, 1 through 4, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So let's go back to the scene. So John's writing this church. They're saying Jesus is not real. John walked with with Jesus a long time. So he chooses kind of to take people head on on two fundamental issues right out of the gate. One, Jesus is fully God. One, Jesus is fully man. Or two, I should say. Jesus is fully man. So if you look at the start of verse 1, He starts off of that which was from the beginning. So John here is talking about God from the beginning. It talks about him being with the Father. He talks about the word of life, which are all phrases to describe God. He is setting up that this man that he's about to talk about is fully God. He's talking about from the beginning of time. It's not from when he was born. It's not from like God's or Jesus' initial ministry. It's from the beginning of time. When, when it all started, Jesus was there. And John wants to make that very, very clear to the people that are reading this. If you look, kind of move on in verse 1, he talks about which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands. Imagine how John felt about this. So these people are calling Jesus not real. He's fake He's a spirit or a ghost or a fan or aberration. John's passionate about this, man. He lived with Jesus day in and day out. It was one of his very best friends. What John is setting up for the people is that he had a very personal relationship with Jesus, just like you and I have a personal relationship, but probably a little bit deeper. John knew Jesus more than 95% of the people that you and I know, including our spouses. He walked with Jesus Day in and day out, he watched miracles happen for three years plus. He was able to see Jesus in a way that none of us could, and he, is, he was his best friend, and people are calling him fake. So he wants to be clear. Like He uses very specific verbs for how he interacted with Jesus. He heard him. He saw him. He looked upon him. He touched him. Jesus was really real to John. The Bible talks a lot about three disciples that that Jesus spent time with, Peter, James, and John. John and Jesus were very, very, very tight. If you read the Gospels and you look at how John walked with Jesus over time, he got to see all of these miracles happen. He saw Jesus transfigured. He saw him raise Jairus' daughter from the dead in Mark. He saw what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane towards the end of Jesus' ministry. Like, this is a real personal experience Jesus and he's arguing against these people saying this guy was not who they say he is he's personal and passionate about this so it brings me to my first point our relationship we're made for a relationship that's personal with Jesus deeply personal now while we can't really like share the same way that John did in terms of how he touched and he laughed and he cried he spent time with Jesus physically, I really feel like Jesus is as alive today as he was 2,000 years ago. He came, he died, he rose again, and he is saving us from our sins. And we have an opportunity to be able to have a personal one-to-one relationship with him. And it's very, very personal. And I think Jesus is calling you into that. When you hear about the way that John positions the arguments of his God, his friend, and his God, like That relationship is real, and we should be equally passionate about our relationship with Jesus. I think he's calling us into that. We may not share it the way he did, but, but guys, it is absolutely available to us as personal as it was. What I want to be clear on, though, and God's really been convicting me a lot about some things this, this last week, is it's, it's a super personal relationship, but it's not private. And and John's really clear with it. So let's look at verse 3 and 4. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. This personal relationship with Jesus is like super personal for you, but it ain't private. I love verse 3. He's very clear. So the Gnostics, remember, one of their beliefs was that this is kind of like a super secret kind of thing on salvation, only for a few. John is very clear. We proclaim this to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. He is clear that this is to be shared with one another and moved into community with each other. So the thing I would challenge with is when you find people that, that believe the same thing you do, you need to move into their lives in a, in a very significant way. I think when I read 1 John, what it hit me with was this fellowship, so we proclaim it to you so that you can have fellowship with us. Fellowship with us is community. It's not like grilling burgers and like the TV dream in the back, Right. This is like moving into life with each other. This is living life when it's messy, when it's clean, when it's fun, when God's like, we're killing it, right? But it's also in the messiness of life. We're living in community with each other. When you find people that believe in Jesus, what John's saying here is move into that. Like you're made for community with one another. Through Jesus, and only through Jesus, We have brothers and sisters in Christ who can experience life and life abundantly. They're the hands and feet of Jesus. So when I I spend time with people that love Jesus, I feel like God is revealing who He is. There's qualities that each one of you have that God has given you, gifts that God has given you, that I get to see you are made in the image of God. I get to see and experience Jesus and who He is when I move into this. I can say this, and it's super easy to me to, for me to s- stand up here and say, like, guys, move into and be intentional about this, but I'm like a first-class offender of this. I am super busy, as all of you are. Like, life is really, really, really hard. This week, I traveled a couple of days. We had other stuff going on with kid activities. We shift off our kids, by the way, so uh, don't call us this week. We're in parent camp. I don't know if you guys know what Parent Camp is. I would highly recommend it. It's where you send all of your kids somewhere else and you're home by yourselves with your wife. It's super good. Um, So I can talk about it. I can talk about how I want to move into everyone's life, but I'm, I'm like really good about not doing that because something else comes up or because I want to do something else or because I need to go here for work or I need to go there for work or my kids have this game or whatever it may be. I think God's calling us to be like really intentional. And that's one of the things that I've been convicted about this week. These verses for me, as I, I read them over and over and over again, I think God just keeps whispering to me like you're missing out. It's not necessarily that like I'm not going to be a believer and I'm not going to be saved if I don't do this. I think I'm missing out on community and fellowship. And I'm, I'm missing out on something... Pretty special. If I don't get intentional and if you don't get intentional about this, you're going to miss out on, I think, joy that you would otherwise have. So let's look at verse 3 and kind of finish out kind of what this means. So indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and in the Son, Jesus Christ. So we're made for community with each other. Man, we're made for fellowship and community with the God of the universe. Like I, I don't know what that means to you but let it sink in a little bit. John says, "Yeah, you can have fellowship with us. I want you to have fellowship with us." But but when you have fellowship with us, you get fellowship with the God the Father and God the Son. Like that's kind of unbelievable to me and I want to for me that doesn't always look that way. So I I go about my day right. I have all this stuff going on. And for me, I don't get the joy of having the fellowship and the community with God the Father and God the Son when I'm not engaging with you guys. I don't know what your day looks like or your week looks like or how often you're like moving into the lives of other believers. And when I say moving in the lives of other believers, I'm not talking about necessarily just having a meal, although start with a meal. Start with like doing something. I'm talking about moving into the lives of each other. And there's, there's pain in this room that I don't know about. I, I don't need to know about your pain necessarily, but you're, someone in this room or someone that's a believer needs to know about your pain and walk with you through it. Not necessarily because they're going to fix it. Because when the fellowship happens, the fellowship with the Lord comes to, with it. I don't know that I really push into that the way I should. And that's, man, it's, it's hit me kind of hard. Especially over the last call it two or three years, as life has gotten a lot busier with work and kids and stuff like that. I'm not doing it as well as I should. And I I need you guys to hear, I don't feel, I'm like the guiltiest person ever. I always like have guilt. I grew up with guilt. I don't feel guilt over this. After spending time in this, I feel like I'm missing out, man. I got a glimpse of it in Honduras, a glimpse. I'm missing out if I'm not doing this right. I have a friend, an old pastor in, um, in California, he talks about uh, over time, he was my pastor in California, he's still a friend, uh, over years and years of time, he's really specific about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Before it all happened, before anything else, even before the world was formed, man, those guys are in intimate relationship with each other. And then they decided to create man in their own image. And when they did that, that relationship, that intimacy that they experience between the Trinity, that intimacy is meant for you and me with them. I don't know that I feel that on a regular basis. I don't know that I feel that intimacy on a regular basis. I really don't. This is like walking with someone. God, God is not, for those who are... Uh, new believers, or even like struggling on who God is. God's not sitting there waiting for you to mess up and sin to where he can like count it against you. This intimate relationship is like walking with each other, man. Like think about the disciples, how bad they screwed up in the Gospels and in the Bible. Like they're really awesome, right? But they also had really bad moments. Man, Jesus was like right there beside them every time. He may correct them, but he loved them just the same. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, my other sermon, by the way, was on Peter at the beach. Like, when Jesus came back and sat with Peter on the beach after he denied him three times. Like, Jesus wants to be in the middle of your life, in the middle of you screwing up in the same way that you're doing well. When you're killing it, you're like, super dad, super mom, like, hey kids, look at Jesus, it's great, it's all good. Like, I'm caring for people, my neighbors are good. Like, Jesus is there then. But man, Jesus wants to be there in your mess, too. When you're struggling and when you're doubtful, um, He wants to be sitting right beside you. And that's the level of fellowship that we're being called into with God. So guys, I feel like we're being called into a personal, deep relationship with Jesus. I feel like uh, I'm being called into community and fellowship with you. I feel like uh, that community and fellowship extends to a community and fellowship with God. And I think then, and really only then, verse four is true. We are writing these things so that our joy, collective joy, can be complete. I think that that's uh, really what I experienced. I feel like true joy really gets, uh, comes to fruition when you're pursuing each other and you're pursuing God. I think I experienced that in Honduras two weeks ago. It's not often that I get to spend like seven days with fourteen other people that love Jesus. They're super flawed. Everybody but me, I'm sure, is super flawed. Just kidding. Uh we got up in the morning and we went to bed with one another uh at night and we we parted ways and we, we spent an entire day with each other around the common mission of serving people and loving Jesus and loving each other. We'd wake up in the morning at like five thirty or six o'clock in the morning and we'd meet on the screen porch. By the way, there's a fair number of flies in Honduras. Uh, you may want to bring bug spray. There's Zika too, apparently. We'd meet on the screen porch and we'd hang out. And they would make coffee at 5.30 in the morning. And most of the time it'd be like four or five guys that came down on the screen porch. Heidi every now and again would come down. Uh, every now and again. Certainly you'd have the Metzger kids because they wake up at like 4 o'clock in the morning no matter what anyway. Uh, and then you'd have a, you know a smattering of kids throughout the week. But man, that time was special. We got to sit and talk. We, we, like some of us would be reading, some of us would be talking, we'd be chatting about life, chatting about things that are going on. And man, like, Jesus was there. That fellowship was real, and the joy that I got to experience there was real. I got to interact with James and Billy, Brandon, Phil and Russ, like five men that I, I, I knew a few of those, but I didn't know like Phil and I got to hang out a lot, man. Russ and I got to hang out a lot. Brandon and I got to hang out a lot. Billy is somewhere here. James, Billy and James did, like, pastor stuff, so we didn't get to hang out with them as much. But, man, just the depth of that relationship brought me great, great joy. During the week, I got to ride on the bus. A lot of the fellowship happens on the bus because you're on the bus, like, forever. And, uh, and most of the time, I was sitting in the back. And, I, and most of the time, I'm hanging out with, like, the younger men. And, and I got to hang out with Cademan and uh, Hank. Many of you guys know Hank as Henry. He, he was right there. Um, he likes to be called Hank, by the way. He doesn't. Um, but I got to, I got to like, see them. I was so impressed and amazed at how God is working in their lives and the maturity level that they have and, and the maturity in their, in their walk, the way they interacted with the kids, the way they worked. Um, It it was impressive, man. I'm sure they were super impressed with my immaturity, uh, but I was really impressed with their maturity. Uh, I got to hang out with Ian and Noah. If you want to know what happened in Honduras, like go look up Ian and ask him to read. Ask him to not read it, but take you through what he wrote down. Man, that kid was like documenting everything that went on in Honduras. I watched God use Ian and Noah in interacting with the younger men uh, in the Life Center and in the villages in a way that, man, only Jesus could have done. Like, I can't explain. The work that we did was not easy. And those boys got up and got after it every single day. They did not complain. And that, by the way, in case you don't have teenage kids, is Jesus. <laughs> Period. I'm last, lastly impressed by Heidi and, and my four daughters. Many of you think I have three. We went through an unofficial uh, adoption situation with hannah Lindsay, in uh in honduras i think it might have been official in honduran but unofficial in the u.s so uh, we'll still get you back when we go out of honduras i was impressed by five women like being around five men or ten men for that long and not like wanting to pull their hair out first of all Uh, men are challenging to be around for what it's worth Uh, but man like to see the way god used my wife and my kids and hannah and how they interacted with kids on the ground, and how they had fellowship through the name of Jesus, and how God just used them, man. They like did bracelets, they did hair, they did nails, they blew bubbles, they ran around and played soccer. They interacted in languages that aren't the same, and they knew what each other were talking about. It was shocking. They made slime, That was probably the worst decision ever, to bring slime to make in the Honduras Life Center. And then we ditched Heidi and she had to do it all by herself. To watch Heidi make slime with 30 kids, like, man, it was Jesus at work. I think that week in Honduras, I experienced joy, and my joy was complete. But here's what I'm convicted by uh, these last weeks. I don't feel like it belongs in Honduras. I don't think, like, it it requires Honduras, and I don't think that it requires, like, 18 hours a day of being beside each other. I think it requires being intentional about moving into the lives of each other. I think it requires, like, picking up the phone when you don't want to, because you want to, like, chill out and watch Netflix or whatever you're going to do, or you want to just do nothing. It takes intentionality to pick up the phone and say, like, hey, how are you doing? Can we get together for a cup of coffee? Can we have lunch? And it's moving into that life that I think ultimately like, moves into allowing you to have fellowship in a way that you don't have it today. Not with each other necessarily, but with God. It's clear in 1 John, man. We share this so that you can have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with God the Father and God the Son. It's super clear. Like, get intentional about what you're doing. So as I this week were the, the big four things that I was reminded of. I am made for a personal, deep relationship with Jesus, and I think you are too. I am made for community and fellowship with you guys, and you guys are with me. We can't all be friends with everybody, right? But choose a few and move in, man. I think we're designed for community and fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. And that comes through fellowship, man. That comes through moving and sharing the gospel with one another. And last, I think then and only then, like your joy can be complete. I want to pray and then I want to end on a scripture to, that, that really over the last month have, has been pretty significant for me. I, I don't even know that I read it. Maybe I read it like in passing, but it kind of hit me this week in a way. And I think it's I think it demonstrates some of the fellowship and the joy that ultimately this is talking about. And, and I'll, I'll kind of finish up in a minute, but let me pray first and thank God. Father God, thank You so much for today. Lord, I thank You for uh, Your Son. I thank You for the ability to have uh, deep relationship and fellowship with one another through Him and His blood and for His sacrifice, God. I thank You that... Uh, You've given us a church body and a church family that we can move into and be a part of. And I'm thankful mostly that you are there when that happens, God. That when we move into one one another's lives, under the name of Jesus, that you are going to be there with us. Lord, I pray that we do that well. For me specifically, God, I pray that you give me intentionality about that, that you help me to move into my passivity around that, God, that you help me to be intentional. Lord, I pray that you help me to care for people, and I pray for for the people in the, this room, Lord. Lord, I pray that you help us to care for one another in a way that only you can give us the ability to. Thank you for the joy that comes at the end of that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so last, I want to end on a scripture. So this is out of Revelation, and I really think it paints this picture of fellowship. Uh, what I want you to do is... Um, It may feel a little bit weird, but do it anyway. Uh, I want you to close your eyes. I want you, as I read these passages and as I read this Scripture, I want you to put yourself in this position. Because if you are a believer in Jesus, there will be a day where you're going to be standing where this Scripture talks about. So this is from Revelation 7, 9-17. And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Christ, point, this is fellowship. This is community. I think it can be yours, and I think it can be mine. Through the blood of Jesus. Thank you, and praise be to God.